Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. And now here's your host, Michael Fried. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. We welcome you to this special two-part year review episode. In this first part, we'll pose the following questions. How has the trucking industry fared this year in areas of technology, equipment safety, and regulation? And what non-COVID events proved to be the most impactful in 2020? We'll set out to answer these questions, and we'll sit down with Transport Topics staff reporter Eleanor Lamb later in the program. But first, I want to answer another question that may have been on the minds of many listeners lately, and that is, where is Seth Clevenger? Well, there's no need to worry. After a multi-month podcast sabbatical, he has returned. We would like to welcome back to Road Signs, Seth Clevenger, Managing Editor of Transport Topics Features. Welcome back, Seth. <laughs> well, thank you, Mike. It's uh, great to be back on the podcast, uh, this time as a guest rather than a host. And I, I appreciate the, the change of pace, and it's great to be back. Great. I'm glad to have you back. Glad to have you back. Thanks for letting me take the reins for a while. <laughs> um, let's, get, let's get into the year in review. That was 2020. There's been many things that were happening. Uh, one we will not mention <laughs> until, until the next episode. But, um, but let's go back to the, the, the first episode of 2020. We look back at 2019 and at the progress of you know, artificial intelligence, uh, federally mandated electronic logging devices and the Internet of Things, you know, besides the, pan- the pandemics, um, uh, how have things progressed since then? I mean, and, and what have you been seeing that uh, that that's been making progress in 2020? Well, sure, Mike, there's there's certainly been a lot of news developments, a lot of uh, investment in technology uh, throughout the year. You know, obviously, so much of attention has gone toward the pandemic, which has been so disruptive to so many facets of life and business, but uh, through this all, we've we've seen a lot happen on the technology side of the transportation industry. Uh, fleets continue to invest, and if anything, you know the experience of this pandemic seems to have have shined a spotlight on the need for solid software investments and process automation. So some of those big trends that we were tracking at the beginning of the year before all this happened, uh, like uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning. Uh, you know, the widespread use of ELDs, the Internet of Things, you know, a lot of that has, I, I think, proven its value during a time like this, uh, that those companies that had really invested in IT, had invested in, in back office automation and software, were really in a, a much better position to, to make the move to remote work uh, in the spring, you know, for their back offices. Now, obviously, uh, you know, truck drivers uh, don't have that luxury, you know, as, as frontline workers, but for logistics workers, for f- dispatchers, for fleet managers, uh, there, there's been a lot of investment in technology, a lot of reliance on technology uh, to help adapt to this very unusual year that we've uh, all been going through. You know, one of the things 
that you talked about. Uh, just, I mean, I, I mean, it's not particularly pressing. Maybe in this moment in time, just sort of the uh, the prevalence of five G in the industry. Uh, you know, back back early in the year, you spoke with Chris Wolf about that 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 prevalence. If you're not planning and starting your upgrade process right now, uh, you're already probably behind the eight ball. Uh, but that being said. 5G will be phenomenally prevalent uh, at, say, three to four years out. So in the next 18 to 24 months, though, they've already started repurposing 3G spectrum in some places. So if you're 3G only right now, you might go dark. Uh, there's already places you know, we've heard of in Wisconsin. Uh, we can see them in the, near New York City. Uh, so again, it's because our systems, if you're in a, in a trailer, a tractor, a chassis or truck, that's a moving asset. And so you'll be in and out of coverage. And so when it gets in coverage, it all sinks back up. So we kind of hide the fact that, you know, you, you, this one area was only, uh, you know, dark for a little while, but over time, that's just going to get, you know, bigger and bigger black holes out there. Could you just, uh, just give a sense of, of where we're at in, in, in 5G and just sort of the preparation that, that the fleets are taking to to be in sync with that. Sure. Well, 5G is still a bit out uh, on the horizon for uh, the trucking industry and for really any, uh, just about any industrial um, sector. It was really starting with consumers, especially in cities, uh, but it's really just going gonna to take years before the coverage uh, is widespread enough to, you know, and really is at a point where it will be ideal for commercial transportation. Uh, that being said, you know, there's certainly um, opportunities down the line. And, you know, I tend to think of, of 5G as really more um, as the, you know, the next progression is the next step. Uh, it's the next advancement, uh, not necessarily revolutionary, right? I mean, you know, 3G to 4G was an improvement. 4G to 5G will be, you know, another move toward uh, more reliability, faster speeds, um, which is, of course, important in trucking when you're relying on ELDs, for example, when you're relying on telematic systems on, on your trucks, if you're relying on asset tracking devices, so you know where your trucks are, you know where your trailers are, uh, you know how your drivers are performing, you know, how many hours of uh, drive time they have left in their day, and you can manage your whole fleet better. Uh, that's really become table stakes in the trucking industry. So any uh, advancement in wireless communications will be uh, a very welcome uh, improvement uh, in our industry. Uh, of course, the really the more immediate concern on, on wireless uh, technology has been uh, the sunsetting of 2G and 3G networks. You know, we're really now at the point where 4G LTE is the industry standard in trucking for all these onboard devices that are now so common, um, whether it be onboard computers, ELDs, um, truck and trailer tracking systems. Uh, this is really uh, something that's uh, uh, mission critical. So you know, any uh, existing, you know, 3G devices out there are quickly becoming outmoded as some of those networks are being sunset by the uh, wireless carriers. And uh, 4G LTE will be the standard for uh, for some time to come. And uh, 5G will come into play uh, in trucking, I think, after it's become pretty commonplace and widespread in the consumer market. So it's one of those areas where uh, all the consumers with their new smartphones uh, will be the first to really benefit. But once the coverage is, is really uh, widespread, uh, it'll, it'll make sense for trucking because you, you think about trucking, it's a, you know, cross country, it's um, 
all regions of the country. It's, it's interstate. It's coast to coast. Uh, coverage is king uh, if you're in if you're in trucking. Yes, that's what Chris Wolf was talking about. Uh, Chris Wolf being the CEO of Fire, uh, Power Fleet. Um, when you had that conversation with him, he did touch upon just kind of the the debt spaces you know, and, and the truck being a a moving asset. And I, I think you kind of I think you did nail that the point exactly with just um, getting out of the the, the G three spectrum, you know, and, and to make room for the five G. So that, I mean that that was you know that's been one thing. Um, this year that, that I've seen and, and you as well on uh, when it comes to progress uh, and, and fleets, at least thinking about, you know, the next progression. Um, it, another place where we've seen fleets um, progress is in the, in, in the area of safety, uh, especially with the adoption of active safety technology and the emergence of automatic steering and double plutoning. And um, uh, you had spoke with uh, Mike Perkins, one of the, um, test drivers for a platoon uh, prone system from uh, Peloton technology. Yeah, he gave a, a brief description of, of what it was. Peloton's uh, platoon pro system is a driver assistive platooning system. Uh, and from a driver's perspective, it feels a lot like uh, what we would consider a super adaptive cruise control. Um, the, the system electronically links the collision avoided systems of a pair of heavy trucks uh, so that they can draft safely uh, to save fuel. And, and I'm, I'm talking drafting uh, just like uh, uh, NASCAR. I just kind of wanted to talk with you about the advances and just the implementations of those particular technologies. Well, sure. I mean, happy to provide an update. You know, this has been, uh, I think that there's been a gradual movement and, and you know, gradually uh, increasing adoption of active safety technology in trucking over the last decade or so. Uh, collision mitigation systems have been on the market for for years, but there's been a real push to to really increase the market penetration because you know if it's just a luxury item that only a few fleets uh, equip their vehicles with, and there's only so much improvement we'll see in terms of uh, real safety on the highways. Uh, but I hear from the suppliers, the companies that develop these systems, that there's been a real uptick in adoption. Uh, groups like uh, FMCSA uh, and uh, ATA's Technology and Maintenance Council have been promoting this and uh, ways that uh, fleets can uh, you know, really look at the, the benefits, you know, do a cost-benefit analysis on uh, active safety. And you know, we, we, I think we're seeing some, some real movement in that direction. We're, we're on our way to the point where um, more new trucks are going to have this technology than not. Uh, of course, there's a lot of older trucks on the road and will be for, for many years to come. But uh, I, I think we're we're kind of hitting that uh, tipping point where this will start to become pretty much a standard on new vehicles. You know, with with existing technology like automatic emergency braking, uh, lane departure warnings, adaptive cruise control, some of these basic driver assist uh, technologies that can uh, really help uh, either prevent or at least reduce the severity of, of accidents, of collisions on the highway. Um, you know, in most cases, you know, in the majority of cases, it's uh, the passenger cars that are um, around the, the truck that are more likely to, to cause um, an accident. But uh, technology like this can, can still help prevent those situations, can, can help back up the driver and, and augment the driver's you know, the professional driver's uh, abilities, uh, w which 
uh, has, in, in many cases, you talk to the, the fleet managers who, who have adopted these systems and they say it really has made a difference in the severity of crashes and the frequency of crashes. So uh, we know it works and it's there, it's available, uh, and, and we're seeing more adoption. And then you, know, you, know, you, you look ahead, you look at the, some of the newer technologies that are just starting to enter the market and automated steering is in that phase right now. Uh, where we do see some of those capabilities that are on the market now, uh, corrective steering to help nudge the vehicle back in its lane, to, to help maintain the vehicle's lane. Uh, you know, again, the driver is still driving, but you know, when you have some level of steering assistance added to you know the braking and acceleration assistance that's already been uh, widely available, you know, so you start to have a, a complete package of. Uh, what will be the beginnings of what's uh, known as level two automation. Uh, this is where you have both steering and uh, acceleration and braking. And uh, we're, we're just in the early days in the market of, of that. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing that uh, hit the market and, and roll out before our very eyes uh, this year. Now, uh, going back to uh, uh, truck platooning, which you mentioned, you know, that's still more in the, in the testing and development phase. You know, you have a couple companies that are working on this in the North American market. Uh, one of those is Peloton. Uh, we spoke with a couple uh, uh, test drivers who were gracious enough to, to share their experiences, you know, and I you know, remarked at the time what a cool job that would be to, to go out and test, uh, you know, platooning technology. So as far as truck driving jobs go, I mean, that would be a, you know, a pretty uh, uh, interesting one to have uh, and, and help uh, really blaze the trail and, and pave the way for some of these emerging technologies. Uh, and Locomation is another company that's working on this. Um, those are the two main tech companies that are uh, actively developing truck platooning capabilities. And they have, you know, fleet pilots underway. You know, there's testing, there's on-road testing, not just on test tracks, but on the road today uh, being tested um, in many parts of the country. And, you know, the idea uh, is on, on one hand to improve fuel economy. You know, you'll have uh, two, two trucks that are following, you know, the, the follower truck is, is following at a much closer distance than we would normally uh, deem safe on the highway, but they can do that through vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communications that link up the braking systems on both trucks. So the, the lead truck starts braking, the second truck, you know, there's very little delay, like almost immediately faster than uh, a human could respond. Uh, so what that does is it allows for you know, essentially a drafting where you have a more aerodynamic uh, platoon uh, on the highway that uh, that saves fuel economy. And uh, beyond that, there's also some opportunities for efficiency gains uh, for uh, helping the driver and the, and the follower truck uh, reach the point where you can actually step away from the wheel and, and go into the sleeper berth. Um, so the again, the, the lead truck is, is still being actively piloted. The driver is driving at all times, but, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be in the follower truck, then you can uh, maybe take a break while you're out on the open highway and, you know, get some rest, maybe catch us up on some other work, uh, be, you know, have less fatigue at the end of the day. And, you know, that's being tested today. You know, it's not uh, commercially available yet. Uh, it's still proving itself uh, with pilot customers and, and there's still test drivers behind the wheel now, but. Uh, that's an example of where platooning could go next, and there are some companies that are working to to make that a reality. And uh, you know, beyond that, of course, we also have uh, uh, a growing number of companies that are working on highly automated trucks. You know, companies like Too Simple, 
um, you know, Waymo, the uh, originally the, the Google self-driving car project is, is also testing trucks and has been for a while. Uh, those companies are also partnering up with uh, truck OEMs like uh, Navistar and, uh, and Daimler. Uh, so there's been really a lot of development this year on all facets of automated driving, everything from, you know, the existing ADAS systems, uh, ADAS being advanced driver assist systems through sort of next level, uh, level two with automated steering and uh, all the way up to uh, you know, truck platooning and uh, potentially autonomous trucks as well. From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a transport topic special report. Recently, battery-powered trucks were the subject of one of these reports. We've also dedicated special reports to electric logging devices and, going back a few years, the earliest days of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration's CSA program. In November, we're turning our attention to another big issue, the rise in nuclear verdicts and the difficult climate for trucking insurance. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis, and clarity on key issues confronting fleets one comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. Transport Topics invites you to learn more about our special reports. To reserve your copy of the latest report, visit ttn.ws forward slash insurance. You know, you, you spoke about autonomous trucks. Um, you know, I spoke with uh, John Kearney when, when I had a chance to, to host road signs for our workforce development series. And he had a very uh, a grand view of where he saw automated truck driving, where the whole scene of the uh, the workplace scene, at least, would be some, somewhat like an office cubicle, but the cubicles would be filled with with uh, workers who are driving, virtually driving trucks across the country. He, he, he had envisioned you know, a, a scene such as that where there would be an office full of people virtually driving trucks. Well, that's one of the, yeah, that's one of the visions. That's one of the uh, technology pathways that some companies have, have pursued. Uh, you know, that's, you know, I would say that that's pr probably not the lead contender for, you know, the business models that are on the table. Right. Um, but, you know, there's many different ideas on, on how this could all play out. And, you know, one thing I'll say is that it will take, you know, years and really not just years, but decades for this to really uh, materialize. So it's not something where we're going to get to the end of uh, 2021 and do our year in review and say, hey, well, oh, trucking is automated now. Uh, it, this, just, this is a gradual um, evolution that you know, we see happening today with some of the active safety technologies that we've been discussing earlier. Um, that's the beginnings. And uh, you know, we'll see a, a gradual expansion uh, in the years ahead. And ultimately that's going to benefit safety and, and hopefully um, improve the, the job um, of the truck driver and, and make, you know, improve uh, job satisfaction and uh, help drivers have more home time. You know, I think those are ultimately the, you know, the, the true benefits that can play out in, in the years ahead. Yeah. That was just, I just brought that up just for, I, I that was, that was my first time hearing something, a, a vision such as that, you know, it, it's, it's something that's, you know, as you said, in the long near future, you know, but that was just, 
thinking of that visually just kind of, it really intrigued me. Uh, another thing that intrigued me, just kind of when you're talking about, uh, you know, forward looking vision, you had spoken with Stuart Weedai, uh, CEO of Blossman Gas and president of the Alliance Autogas uh, Network. Uh, he had a an interesting uh, take on the future of the commercial vehicle in general. And, and that was just in association with the electric car. And the electric electric vehicle commercially used, of course. First of all, I'm a great believer in hybridization. We should have electric batteries with some sort of internal combustion or turbine engine recharging the battery along with regenerative braking uh, on the vehicles. That is the perfect combination and leads us into the future. Maybe it's not as sexy as being all electric. The second thing is I think our country needs to invest in renewable liquid fuels. You know, one of the things that is often misunderstood in 1970, a vehicle's emissions compared to one today is 99% less today than it was in 1970. And from going simply from port injection to a direct injection to other turbine and um, turbocharging options that are going to happen into the future, we're going to see internal combustion engines get better and cleaner and more efficient. So the internal combustion engine is not dead. So when you put it in conjunction with a smaller electric battery, it's not as doesn't require as many materials and liquid renewable liquid fuels. I think we have an, an, a great opportunity to make tremendous impact on the cost, but our improve our environment and deal with the climate issues that are facing our nation and the globe. One of the things I wanted to, to talk with you about, you know, there's been a lot of you know, implementation, and I, I guess, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is sort of kind of in a in a holding pattern when it comes to autonomization and electric cars. Um, do you see that you know, moving a, a little bit in 2021? Well, I mean, I think that with um, electric vehicles and, you know, fuels, uh, alternative fuels in general, uh, we're, we're at, a, at a point now where, uh, you know, we're still in the early days. Uh, for for electric trucks, battery electric trucks, but when you look at the investments, when you look at um, you know the, the first models that are now not just you know not have you know have not just been unveiled, but are also on the road moving freight now uh, in you know as part of pilot projects with a number of, of fleets, and and there are a growing number of of trucking companies that have you know at least one battery electric truck that they're testing and learning about and, and seeing how they really perform out on the road. It's becoming clear that at least for certain applications that are well suited to, to it, you know, so local delivery, urban distribution, uh, some regional hall applications, port drayage, and uh, some vocational trucks like refuse trucks uh, are well suited for electrification in the near future. Uh, you know, it's going to take time, you know, we're, we're just starting to see the beginnings of this, but, um, you know, it's, it's it certainly looks like, you know, the, the main alternative to, um, diesel powered trucks at some point in the future will be electric. I mean, today it's natural gas today. Natural gas is, you know, maybe a couple percentage points of the total market. Uh, that's, that's, if you want something other than diesel, that's primarily what you're looking at. Uh, but you know, when you look further out down the line, uh, there's going to be, you know, in some regions and some states, a push toward zero emission vehicles. 
And that will include commercial vehicles. And you look at California, for example, uh, they've approved a regulation that'll require a certain percentage of sales to be electric powered trucks uh, starting in 2024 and then gradually increasing over time. Uh, so again, when you just follow the investments, you follow trends, uh, electric trucks are going to be a big part of the future of the trucking industry. And uh, I, I do think that this year uh, really helps solidify that, I think. And we'll see how it plays out next year as we see more expansion of uh, some of these early test uh, um, pilots uh, that, that fleets are running. And uh, you know, we'll see more uh, electric vehicle models on the market. Uh, we, we've seen some of that already, and, and we'll see more um, in the months and, and years ahead. Uh, so it's really kind of an exciting time where we're seeing a whole new category of the commercial vehicle market uh, emerge before our very eyes. And, you know, I, I, diesel trucks are going to be around for a very long time, um, especially long haul, a regular route truckload uh, where you have different routes that you're you're not just repeating the same route again and again. Uh, that'll be the, the probably about the last you know, vehicle application that would be electrified down the line uh, at some point in the future, um, you know, decades down the line. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to see this new category uh, begin to emerge. And, you know, it is pretty fascinating. Well, another thing that's been fascinating is, and, and this is kind of my favorite part of things, is the the mergers and acquisitions part, part of our conversation. Um, there's been some noble mergers for, for 2020. Um, I, I just kind of want you to, to elaborate on the, on some of the, the, the more uh, noticeable and uh, impactful uh, mergers of 2021. What, what do you have in mind? What, what, what do you think? Oh, sure. So I can go, I can take that from the top and, you know, one that's been, I think, you know, broadly, uh, you know, expected and, and it has indeed played out is uh, Trayton Group's uh pending acquisition of Navistar. So that's a, a huge um, agreement that's in place that will merge uh, two uh, global truck manufacturing companies and uh, create a, you know, really a, a true, you know, global footprint for uh, Trayton Group, which is uh, uh, Volkswagen's commercial vehicles and, you know, truck and bus group. Um, but that, uh, it has been, in, you know, years in the making, you know, they, they, those two companies formed an alliance in uh, 2017, you know, to provide technology, you know, the, you know, with the A26 engine in particular, uh, it's available in Navistar, uh, you know, international models now. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how that, uh, you know, reshapes the, you know, the, the chessboard, the, the, the playing field for, you know, the truck OEMs moving forward and, you know, that, that's expected to close in the middle of next year, in the middle of 2021. Uh, but that's something that uh, certainly is a um, one of those uh, landmark um, mergers, one of those landmark acquisitions that we watched this year. And then, you know, more specifically in the trucking technology sector that I cover, um, Omnitrax, uh, acquiring Smart Drive this year was a, was a really interesting move, you know, that combines... Omnitrax, which is one of the largest providers of ELDs, uh, telematic systems for trucks, mobile communications, with SmartDrive, which is one of the largest suppliers of onboard video systems, video safety technology and analytics. Uh, so, so that's a really interesting combination. And, you know, a lot of that is, is tied into the idea of, you know, tighter integration of all these disparate systems that are now appearing in truck cabs. You know, you have an ELD, you've got 
an onboard camera. You've got, uh, you know, maybe a trailer tracking system. You've got, you know, a telematic system in the truck. You may have three or four uh, different devices from three or four different companies on a truck now. And, you know, part of the idea, part of the uh, opportunity, I think, for Omnitrax and Smart Drive is to tie some of that together. You can obviously achieve a certain level of efficiency if you share your technology rather than uh, integrating all these disparate systems. Uh, so that's something to watch uh, in the years ahead. Uh, you know, Trimble acquired a company called Cubix. Uh, so that's a, a big move in the transportation management software uh, piece of the business uh, that we continue to watch. And uh, also mention that uh, very recently we uh, saw that uh, Penske Logistics has agreed to acquire uh, Black Horse Carriers, a big uh, dedicated carrier. Uh, so that uh, will combine uh, two of the top 100 uh, largest four hire carriers on the uh, TT Top 100 list, uh, number uh, 15 and number 61. And uh, that, that uh, is one of the larger acquisitions we've seen in the motor carrier space uh, going back to uh, Knight Swift, uh, that merger uh, about three years ago. Yeah, there's a lot of moving in, in the market. So, I mean, it's, you know, it'd be suffice to say, you know, to, to mention what's been going on for, for that last year. Seth, I think this is a good place to stop. I, I just wanted to thank you, number one, for, for being on the show. And I just wanted to say personally for, you know, hosting the, the road signs podcast for, for this year, I'm, I'm, I'm really blessed to, to have joined this team and, and be a part of this. So I definitely want to thank you for, for that experience and uh, making it a very enjoyable year for me as well, being a part of the transport topics road signs team. So I, I definitely want to thank you for that. Well, hey, thanks. You know, we're, we're certainly happy to have you on board. It's uh, I think we were the lucky ones. You know, we, we appreciate uh, having your voice on the, on the podcast and, you know, it's uh, and frankly, I think it's uh, also fun to kind of pass the responsibility back and forth, posting duties back and forth, and we can all pursue our different interests and, and hopefully provide uh, that much more content and, uh, insight to our uh, listeners and and uh, you know thanks to our listeners as well for uh, following the podcast. It's this has been a fun ride and I look forward to to many more episodes to come. In times like these, it's crucial to stay informed. Transport Topics is offering all the information you need to make business decisions in these unprecedented times. And in the wake of the many event cancellations and group gatherings, TT ensures a virtual way to consume business content and conversation. To join the conversation and stay ahead of the news, follow Transport Topics on all social outlets or by visiting ttn.ws forward slash stay informed. Next on Road Signs, we continue our year in review with Transport Topics staff reporter Eleanor Lamb. Welcome to the show, Eleanor. Good to be with you, Michael. Great. I'm, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about 2020 is the um, the new rule that was cast upon by the FMCSA, the, the hours of service. I, I, I just want you to uh, just uh, give us a, a brief explanation of the rule and, and what it consists of. That's right, Michael. Yeah, I got to tell you, this was probably the most significant regulatory action that was taken this year that had to do with the trucking industry. 
FMCSA published its long-awaited final rule on those hours of service uh, on May 14th. It was announced by Transportation Secretary Elaine Chow and then FMCSA Acting Administrator Jim Mullen, who has since moved on from that post. And this final rule included four revisions that truckers had been voicing a lot of concerns about. Uh, You know, the, the industry really had been looking forward to this. And those four revisions covered a a few different topics, uh, such as the 30-minute rest break and splitting up time in the sleeper berth. Uh, Specifically, the final rule granted more flexibility for the 30-minute rest break uh, by requiring a break after eight hours of consecutive driving and allowing that break to be satisfied by a driver using on-duty not-driving status rather than off-duty status. Uh, The rule also modified the sleeper berth exception to allow drivers to divide the required 10 hours of off-duty time into two periods, an 8-2 and split or a 7-3 and split. So that offered a little bit more flexibility there. Uh, The rule modified the adverse driving conditions exception by extending by two hours the maximum driving window during which driving is permitted. And that fourth and final revision involved changing the short haul exception available to certain drivers by lengthening their maximum on-duty period from 12 to 14 hours and extending the distance limit within which they can travel from 100 air miles to 150 air miles. So as you can see, Michael, just from those four revisions, kind of the hallmark of this final rule was increased flexibility for truck drivers. It was something that truckers had really been voicing a lot of opinions about. And uh, it was sure enough granted in this final rule, and you know, in addition to granting flexibility, these modernized HOS rules were designed to be cost efficient. They're supposed to provide nearly $274 million in cost savings for the economy and for American consumers. So those were kind of the considerations that were taken into account when FMCSA unveiled this final rule. So those four provisions were what's in the final rule. Let's talk for just a minute about what was absent from this key final rule. Something that was absent from the final rule was the provision included in an earlier August proposal that would have paused the truck driver's operating driving window. Uh, This proposed change would have allowed an off-duty break of at least 30 minutes, but not more than three hours, to pause a truck driver's 14-hour window. And it was not included in the final rule, but it is something that FMCSA probably will continue to look at uh, in the future. They, they have not quite said goodbye to that. They're still looking at that. So that's, those were the, uh, you know, the key revisions included in this final rule. One of the things that helps out carriers and drivers well, it will be this rule, of course, but, you know, with all change, you know, there's probably some resistance or, or just maybe, you know, a fear of, of new policy. You know, what has the FMCSA done uh, to, to help you know, carriers and drivers better understand the regulations? Well, that's a that's a great question. And indeed, they, uh, you know, they didn't leave the industry high and dry here. They, they definitely gave them some educational tools. Uh, the. HOS rules, which, like I said, they were announced in the middle of May, they finally went into effect September 29th. And on that date, September 29th, FMCSA launched an online tool to help with education surrounding these hours of service regulations. Uh, It is called the Educational Tool for Hours of Service, also known as Ethos. You got to love that name, right? For hours of service. Um, And it basically allows users, you know, in Anybody can use this, by the way. It can be you or me, in addition to a a fleet uh, owner, uh, can go in and basically create a mock duty day. 
They can enter duty statuses um, into a log. They can identify potential violations. It's basically to help people understand the uh, the provisions of their day and where they're allowed to uh, to take breaks. It's meant to serve as a visualization tool, uh, and that's pretty important. You know, sometimes it can be hard to to calculate hours if you're just thinking of the hours in your day, but this really allows people to to visualize their workday. Uh, and it also identifies potential violations of rules related to the 11-hour driving limit, the 14-hour driving window, the 30-minute rest break, and the sleeper birth provision. So what you know, what how it's used is a person can go online and they can enter a date, time, type of event. They can enter driving or off-duty. They can uh, enter a scenario related to the 30-minute rest break rule. And what Ethos does is it provides a record of duty status. And that reflects intervals of time that you're spent driving, on duty, off duty, or in the sleeper berth. And it also flags potential violations. So it's it's basically meant to serve as a visualization tool, which can be used, you know, by drivers, but it can also be used by fleet managers and you know by people who are in charge of sending people out on dispatches. It's kind of meant to uh, to serve as an educational tool. And it's no coincidence this was released on September 29th, the day that those final rules took effect. And it's kind of meant to go hand in hand with the final rules as the industry adjusts to this pretty big change. You know, speaking of adjustments, Eleanor, the gears of government grind slowly, as we all know. So, And you know, such as this rule and just the implementation of this rule and the explanation to the carriers and drivers. As we all know, we're going to have a change in government next month. Um, what are some of the things that you're looking at in regard to this rule as we or getting a new administration. What are the things you are looking for? Well, I'll tell you, and it, it has to do, actually, one of the things that I'm looking for has to do with one of the things that was absent from the completed final rule that was published in May. It has to do with that certain provision related to pausing the 14-hour driving window that didn't quite make it into the final rule. It was absent. But FMCSA has not completely abandoned attention to it. Uh, FMCSA has launched the split-duty period pilot program, which would allow participating drivers to pause their on-duty driving time with one off-duty period of at least 30 minutes, but not more than three hours. And the reason that's sounding so familiar is because that what was, that's what was omitted from the final rule on hours of service. FMCSA is collecting uh, public comment on this pilot program, and they're uh, going to get it you know, going and, and look at the results from it to basically see uh, if there's merit in, in this program and in this uh, in this certain measure related to hours of service. Now, participation in this pilot program is limited to a certain number of CDL holders. Uh, it's basically going to serve as a study group uh, representing small, medium, and large characters, carriers, as well as owner operators. Uh, and this is basically for the, uh, the agency to take a look at the uh, the safety and the feasibility of what such a modification would mean to the hours of service rules. And as with any agency, especially with you know a, a Biden administration coming in, the the, the roles uh, and maybe the direction may change. So so there's a there's a lot of, of of mystery, I guess, with the new rule for this for this new year. Yeah, you know that's that's something that we'll be we'll be keeping an eye on. Of course, this this final rule took effect in September. And then FMCSA has also launched plenty of pilot programs, but this one that I'm speaking of specifically. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. 
I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.